0: Your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I decided to take a question from a listener today and really expound upon that for the episode theme being around packing. There's a lot of questions that come in and tips and tricks. And, you know, it's been an interesting journey. I thought I'd start with just by sharing my own story of what my packing journey has been like. Far from perfect, by the way. (laughs) But I want to actually acknowledge the question was, my son enjoys backpacking for long hikes. Do you have a recommendation for a good backpack? And I want to come back to this because it really got me thinking about what is the purpose of the show and and do I have a recommendation? How do I think about that? And so I also recognize I want to meet people where they're at and also share my insights Without feeling like I have to sell you anything, that's always been my mission is like, well, what is it that you actually want? And what I want and what you might find of value might not exactly align. So I wanted to like take you through this little journey of packing and finding the right pack. And at the end, I will actually answer that question. But I thought it would be easier to tell the story, give you some tips, and then also come back to my answer. So I laugh because I really started traveling, quite honestly, as a child in fourth grade was the first time I went on an airplane. And when we went on an airplane in fourth grade, we had to dress up. And I will never forget, women had to be in nylons and dresses, and boys had to be with a suit coat and a tie, and we had to wear dress shoes and all the nine yards. And this was because of my dad's company. So we would get a flying perk, but that was the dress code. And we got to California. And I will never forget that my brother and I was my parents and my youngest brother and I were in California. And both of my brother and I forgot to pack shoes. So the only shoes we had to wear were the shoes that we wore on the airplane, which, by the way, were dress shoes. So I can guarantee ever since that day, I have never forgotten an extra pair of comfortable shoes. Luckily for me, I was the same size foot as my mom was, so we could share shoes and she had some more comfortable or casual shoes. My brother, however, he had to wear stress shoes all week. The next kind of funny packing story was I was in college and my boyfriend at the time and I went to New York and we were staying for a couple of days with my cousin and I was unpacking my stuff. And, you know, as I was thinking about what we might do, I didn't have a ton of things planned. I had thrown in a really nice outfit to go to a show and maybe go out to eat I'm going through my things and my cousin walks by and she goes, what the hell is that? And I look at her and I kind of am stunningly looking at my stuff and I'm like, it's an iron? And she goes, I know what it is. Why the hell did you pack a full-size iron? Did you think I didn't have an iron And quite honestly, I never even gave it any thought. I was so ingrained in this mindset that you always have to pack whatever you're going to need and anything and everything is possible. So... I packed a full size iron. And let me tell you, it was easily 10 (laughs) pounds. It's a joke for a really long time. I got a travel iron one year for Christmas. But yeah, we still joke. I was a college kid. Why didn't I just bring like the spray wrinkle release? (laughs) It was just kind of funny. The fact that I even had an iron that size was pretty astonishing. As our travel journeys have grown with children, I also became super anal retentive about packing. I wanted everything to be go ready and accessible and have I really wanted to have everything I would possibly need. I have since eased up on that. When we were in Seattle, I took two young kids, eh, maybe like one in three, and I literally took every outfit and I packaged it into gallon sized Ziploc bags. And this included everything from my daughter's hair pretties To socks and underwear and diapers for my daughter, and you know, the outfit so that it would match, the hair pretty would be there, she would have everything she would possibly need. My husband couldn't mess it up, the kids wouldn't ruffle through it. Like, that's how crazy my packing got. Now, I will say. That gallon Ziploc bags were really handy because then we also always had something to put the wet stuff in. If ever we spilled or anything, we always had this bag with us. So it was easy to grab and go. And I kind of call those, those were like poor man's packing cubes. It was before packing cubes were ever a thing. And we had just figured out it just worked really well for us. And so even though I no longer put every single day's clothes, I don't even think my kids' clothes would fit in a gallon Ziploc bag. It was really nice at the time, but I'm not that crazy anymore. I, and That's okay if you are that, that. That makes you happy. Go ahead and keep doing it. But I just realized it was a lot of time prepping for that experience, and I don't know if the value was worth it for me. I got much better in packing. And a couple of years ago, we went to Georgia just for a long weekend for spring break. I guess it was a long – I think it was a full week. And I was able to pack two adults – and two children in two rolling carry-on bags. And I was pretty proud of this because this was the first time that we would have had to pay for checked luggage. And I was like, ah, can we do this? So we were staying um, in Atlanta and in Savannah, and most of the time we were going to be in shorts and t-shirts, which that makes it a lot easier. But I'm going to give you some tips in a little bit too, just to how do you maximize that. And then there's pandemic packing. In 2020 when we had all of our trips canceled and I was like determined to figure out a way to make this work, we rented out an RV. And let me just tell you, so we actually flew to a location, picked up the RV and then drove the RV from there. So we had to fly to get the RV in the first place. And I was so I was still in this scarcity mindset of not having enough, like the grocery shelves were going to be empty when we get there or We knew like bathrooms and things might be closed. So we kind of joked like we brought everything, including the kitchen sink. I had wipes and sanitizers and cleaning supplies. (laughs) I had toilet paper. I had an insane amount of non-perishable food items just in case, right? And so I I want us to like unpack this, (laughs) literally. If we... How much is enough really? And do we need to be prepared for anything? What is the amount that you are most comfortable with? I have roughly 10 tips just to help you think through some of the lessons we've learned from packing. Number one is reuse the same packing list over and over and over again. And what I mean by this is every single time I'm packing for like a weekend, for a camping trip, for a trip across the country, I usually create a packing list. I got smart about five years ago that I created this packing list for camping. We go camping every Memorial Day weekend. And ironically, I create a new packing list every single time. 80% of the items on that list don't change. In fact, sometimes it's a trigger of, oh yeah, that's right. We had that meal for that weekend. We should probably do that again. That was really good. Other times, I've added to the list midway through and said, oh, you know, a fingernail clipper is something I should just put on the toiletry list that I always have and I don't forget or check and make sure I have it. So I would say reuse the same packing list over and over again. Use a Google Drive, maybe share it with others that you are going with. It just helps minimize like how many things you have to think about prior to going getting ready for a trip. The second one I would suggest is using a capsule wardrobe concept. And if you aren't familiar with capsule wardrobe, it's it's having like five or ten items and then you create different looks with different pieces. So you maybe have five shirts, five pants, two pairs of shoes, maybe a couple different necklaces and accessories. So you're just looking at mixing and matching them differently using very few items. And people have done this with their closet for minimalism. We use it a lot in terms of meal planning. So I'll have like, okay, we're having chicken. How can I use chicken in three different meals as opposed to we're going to have chicken and beef and pork and vegetarian one night. We say, okay, it's chicken week or oh, it's potato week. You know, so we're trying to reuse things in multiple meals so that the leftovers can be maximized as well. So I use that, that mindset with our packing, How can I change a look with maybe jewelry? You know, something as easy as earrings or necklace can really change a look and it takes virtually no space in my bag. I also like the (laughs) outdoorsy stuff. So for me, can I throw a hat in or a vest just to change the look, maybe add a layer? I always say that capsule wardrobe starts with the things that I'm most comfortable in, the items that I love to wear as opposed to the items that I think I will wear. (laughs) You really want to be comfortable first and foremost. Number three, the only things you need to pack extra are underwear and socks. And the reason is because socks, if they get wet, they're really uncomfortable and underwear really takes up no space. So I'd rather have extra underwear than not have any or feel like we won't go there today. I don't know, I just think everything else you can pretty much purchase if you had to, or you can rewear it without any hygiene issues. Number four is to favor thin moisture wicking material if at all possible. Partially because it packs really easy. It rolls, it usually doesn't hold wrinkles. It's also really easy to add or remove layers. I've have this shirt, and it actually I bought it at a gas station in Florida, and it is my favorite shirt by far. We were gonna be kayaking among the mangroves, just my husband and I, and I was like, oh, I didn't bring anything for mosquitoes. And so I quick went into the store and it was kind of a moisture wicking, almost a like swimwear type shirt. It's super cool, but because it's so thick, it's actually really warm in the winter too. And I will always layer that in the summertime over a t-shirt or over a tank top because it's really nice. And I've also worn it skiing. I, I put it underneath things before as well. Anytime we're traveling, especially south, we tend to leave our bulky winter jackets behind. So again, you know this. I'm in Wisconsin. When we travel for spring break, generally speaking, there's not any good reason for us to pack our winter jackets. Now, I say that with like a little bit of caution. Obviously, it can happen. But for the most part, we don't need something that warm. What we do instead is to put like a fleece and a rain jacket over the top. So I always have our kids wear their fleeces on the airplane just to have like a zip-up sweatshirt. And then something that's waterproof or windproof, usually our rain jackets, is a great outer layer because that's super easy to pack, but it also insulates you from the elements if you need to. So those two are our favorites. That's our little hack to uh, to be comfortable with not having to take our winter jackets. Number... Five, with the exception of a few remote places, you can find whatever you forgot at a local convenience store. As I just mentioned, I would literally stopped at a gas station to pick up a shirt, and I was lucky enough to have this long sleeve be available, and I loved it. I still love it. It's one of my favorite shirts. Sometimes those pinch purchases do become your favorite. I also have a pair of like pajama pants that I got at Walmart one time, and it was literally because I forgot my pajama pants. I can tell you those pajama chip pants are very well loved now. So, you know, you never know what you're going to need. And if you do need it, you can find it somewhere. The only exception to that, and I'll get to this in a little bit, is if you have, you know, like an allergy or if you have something, a medication, those are the things that you don't want to forget, right? And you can still, I have, I can usually still get the prescription if I've forgotten it. We've forgotten my son's EpiPen once. That was not ideal. But we were able to get a prescription refilled at a Walgreens. So it was, we were still able to figure it out. Number six, it is easy to fill space if you have it. So this is my challenge to get rid of those big, huge 50 pound luggage. Because I have found if I have a big, huge luggage set, I fill it. With stuff because I see the opportunity to go, oh, I've got more room. I've got more room. Or, oh, it's only 30 pounds. So I've just found if I start with the smallest pack, I go from there. You know, generally speaking, I never pack more than, I know this is probably weird for some of you. If I'm gone for more than seven days, I never pack more than five outfits. And that is because I can wash them or rewear them. Or I may rewear wear them, like I said, as a capsule wardrobe and just kind of change up the looks. So it's easier for me to start small and go from there. Number seven, the more you pack, the heavier and more cumbersome it will be. More luggage requires a bigger car. Speaking from experience, we were in Hawaii. And I remember a gentleman at the luggage carousel pulling. And I was like, oh, can you grab my bag for me? And he's like, yeah. And he grabbed it and he's like, this is so light. I was like, yeah, thanks. We, you know, we pack light. And he's like, where are all of your bags? We only packed one bag per person and we were there for three weeks. So there were five bags total. Everyone had to be able to carry them. Meanwhile, he was with a group of women, or at least there was a bunch of women waiting next to him. There were probably men around. I just didn't see them. And they had an entire smorgasbord of luggage. And all I kept thinking was like, what kind of vehicle did you need to rent in order to get the luggage in there? <laughs> it was pretty astonishing how much they had. I said, oh, are you guys here for a while? And he said, no, we're here for seven days. <laughs> and I just chuckled. I'm like, okay, good luck, have a good day. <laughs> but I just think more luggage, it just makes things more complicated. It makes your travel arrangements a little harder. It makes traveling through the airport harder, especially if you have children. So we have a rule that you know we only have so many hands. I always say, I've got a back and two hands. So I try to make the best use of my back whenever possible. So we have a lot of different packs that we use. The kids each take a backpack and most of their things, uh, not just for the airplane ride, if that's the case, or the car trip, but we always still throw an extra layer of clothes in there for at least the next day. And usually that evening. And that's actually going to lead into my next tip, which is, What aspects of your luggage can be go-ready? I want you to think about... That experience that I just told you about, there have been many times where we travel towards the end of the night and I know we're going to get close to bedtime. So like, do I want the kids to sleep in their clothes? Do they want to change into their pajamas? Where are they going to wake up tomorrow? The last thing you want to be doing is getting kids into a bed at midnight and then having to rifle through an entire set of luggage, trying to find toothbrushes or trying to find their baby blankie or trying to find something that you need that night or that morning. One of the examples is my husband and I both wore contacts for a really long time. He still does. I don't. So finding contacts, contact solution and glasses is just a pain. So we always have, we call it our our toiletry bag. It's just a bag that's always ready. And we always keep that on the top or in one of our carry-ons. So it comes in with us. We try to keep one bag with the things that we need that night of everybody. So not, we don't have to bring in five bags. We bring in one overnight bag for all of us. In the case of our trip in Seattle, like I mentioned, that was the purpose behind all of those Ziploc bags. I wanted the mornings to be easy. Perhaps just grabbing one or two things, having to fill the diaper bag that day, just grabbing one of those packs was easy for us to be go ready. I didn't have to scrounge through things and I didn't have to rely on my husband's sense of fashion to put together an outfit for my kids or have my kids rifle through all their clothes and decide what they wanted. So it was just an easier way for us to be go ready. Number eight, number nine, be cautious when making vacation a first time experience using the items in your pack. I have so many times where I've made this mistake. Everything from a swimsuit to a dress to Yeah, I'll tell you a couple of them. Actually, one of them, my youngest son is an extremely tactile person. He's very particular about how things feel, like his socks have to fit a certain way. And he's really particular about the type of material. And so we were going to Cleveland just for a long weekend. And I asked him to help me pack. And I didn't really pay attention to what he was packing. Now, granted, he's three. He packed what he wanted and I looked and actually I didn't look. My husband looked. He's like, okay, he's got enough pants. He's got enough shirts. He should be good. But he didn't pack anything that I knew he would wear. And I realized when we got there, he literally would not wear them. They felt funny. They didn't feel right. He didn't like them. So that just made it really interesting. He ended up wearing one outfit that felt good to him for the entire weekend. And I just had to get over it because he was miserable otherwise. And we all were miserable. Yeah, there's a lot of pictures of her, him in that one shorts outfit. <laughs> and on day three, we finally washed it at the hotel and put it back on him. So those are things, you know, whether it's you have a child that has tactile issues or is just really sensitive to things. I took my husband to the Daytona 500 a couple of years ago. It was just him and I, and we'd very rarely get to do husband-wife trips. And so it was a big ordeal. And I had grabbed some sunscreen, and it was supposed to be really good for sensitive skin. I had an allergic reaction to that sunscreen. So even though this was good sunscreen that was meant for sensitive skin, I ended up having not just the reaction, but it was just miserable. Over a month for it to heal and the the rash and the hives actually went all the way down to my stomach. It was a very miserable experience. And I was itching uncontrollably (laughs) to the point of like, I'm going to lose my mind. So it just, it definitely affected the experience overall. If you are sensitive skin or if you have tactile issues or even like if you buy an outfit I know a lot of people will go on cruises and they'll grab a new outfit or they always say shoes too you never want to wear shoes for the first time on vacation just because your feet have been broken into them so don't make vacation the first time experience for whatever the items are that you're packing. The act of packing for a trip can sometimes be a metaphor for major life decisions, too. And I think it's easy to keep thinking like we need to have everything, you know, just in case if there's a way that I can lighten the next step, it makes it easier to make a decision. And so it's kind of funny because we are months away from a major life decision. And it seems like all we keep doing is like revisiting the packing list. Actually, when this question came in, we talked about it. I realize, like this is the third time we've been over our list. This is, (laughs) there's nothing on this list that's going to make taking the next step any easier, right? It's not going to be like, oh, once I have that 47th item, it's going to be so much easier to start. No, it's going to be a hard decision no matter what. I actually wrote about this in my book is kind of the cycle of knowing, doing and being, where we feel like we need to learn or study enough before we're ready to take action. This isn't always a linear process. It's not like you learn it all and you get all the right answers and then you act. You might actually have to start doing some of those kinds of things that are just meaningless or get rid of some of those meaningless things that preclude us from stepping forward into what you're meant to be. We've had to do a couple of, not iterations, but like we look at the list and then we go somewhere and test like, okay, how did that feel? Or what else were we missing? Or what can we get rid of? Because we have too many things. And more often than not, we find that when we're testing out an idea, we tend to have too much information. We tend to make it too perfect or tend to think we aren't good enough on the front end. And when we get into the motions of things, it's usually good enough, right? If you're someone who's kind of struggling, that you're in the stuck space, I would just encourage you, sit down for five minutes with a piece of paper and pen and get everything out of your brain. There's actually an episode, I'll link to it, called Making Space. You know, get everything out of your brain. Every fear, every question, every responsibility, every wish, every thought, and just let it sit there. When you feel like your brain is empty, just leave it. Walk away. There's no requirement to do anything with that information. Don't sort it. Don't assign it to a list. Don't schedule it. Don't do anything with it, if at all possible. Because the goal is not to like realize how much more you need to do. The goal is really just to get that stuff out of your brain. And then a week later, take a fresh piece of paper. Don't look back at the old one before doing this, but do it again. Go through, and again, every fear, every question, every responsibility, every wish, every thought. Just kind of dump your brain a couple of times. And then after a while, after you've done this a couple of times, go back and look. How do the lists compare? Which ones are really like coming up over and over again? Which things are taking up the most brain capacity? And if you feel stuck after that, just contact me because these are the areas too where I think As we start designing our lives, we can really get stuck on like the packing list and we can really start to worry about meaningless things like what kind of pack should I get or what kind of hiking shoes do I need for this trail or how many miles should I be doing? What is the schedule? What is this? What is that? And that's fine if you want to look at it, if that makes you feel good, but it's easy to not take action because we don't feel good enough. And that's where I think people get stuck in adventure is we get stuck in the packing list. We get stuck worrying about what to take. And so I'm going to come back to this question because my specialty is designing an adventurous life with kids. And as a reminder, my husband and I still work for a time, so we have to make it as go ready as possible. And I don't ever want to suggest that you can't do something if you don't have the right gear. So I want to come back to this question because I do want to honor that it's okay to ask questions and want a good backpack, right? You are still looking for recommendations. So, I will share that I just don't want people to overthink it. Don't get caught up in thinking that the backpack is going to define the experience. I just try not to focus on the gear so much. If you want to know, I have two (laughs) that we're not totally brand loyal. I have an Osprey bag from probably 10 years ago that we, I may have even gotten it from a friend. I don't know. And then we also bought a Kelty pack, I think on Facebook Marketplace. Either way, nothing is new, exciting. Half the Half the straps are even broken on ours. It doesn't have to be good. But if you were to ask me, what do I look for when I'm looking for a pack? I look for things that are waterproof just because even when I'm in transit, I want things that are just going to protect my stuff from the elements. There's nothing worse than waking up to all your clothes being soaked or your sleeping bag being soaked because your pack was wet. And waterproof zippers are a pain for us. So we had a tent experience where... (laughs) The waterproof zipper just drove us crazy. So, we tend to lean towards just getting a waterproof cover. But also, the thing that I talked about actually above is that we prefer things to have different access points, zipper access points. So, I don't have to dig all the way to the bottom of my pack in order or have to unpack everything just to get what I'm looking for. We don't do multi day hikes at this point. So, we're not always thinking about what kind of solution we need to carry water. So that's something I wanted to make sure you know, and that's how I responded to this listener. You know, like, here's what I use, but here's what I look for. And I don't want people to overthink it. Don't let the gear be a barrier to taking action. And I'd rather have you decide what are the things that are of value to you. I hope this episode helps you see that you don't need the special gear, the right things or everything, including the kitchen sink or toilet paper or non-perishable food items for the most part. If you aim for a deep awareness of what you value and how to optimize key things that are comfortable for you, it will take less time and energy thinking about this stuff. The goal is to use this as an opportunity and be a little lighter heading into your next adventure experience. By letting go of the baggage that's holding us in place, we make room to receive the next opportunity. If you want more family adventure tips, stuff like this come to our email subscriber list. If you go to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash subscribe. There's a couple of tips too, just on different types of adventures, way to step out into a new space or learn more about an opportunity that, you know, maybe it's been on your like, huh, interesting list. Maybe I want to look at that. Those are great opportunities just to explore more. The email list is a great place to go. If you are finding value, I do want to give a quick shout out. I haven't read a review for quite some time. So this Review came from M. Bez, and it states positive motivation to embrace life. Wow. Absolutely love this podcast. Heidi shares some awesome ideas on ways and how to cultivate adventure in your life, aka step out of your comfort zone. She isn't suggesting we all skydive, but rather to embrace the wonderful things that life bestows all around us. The tips and tricks she shares are practical and can fit into any type of schedule. Highly suggest this for anyone feeling the negative effects of the last few years. Give it a listen and you will not regret it. That is so sweet. Thank you, Mbaz. If you would be willing to leave a review for Ordinary Sherpa, head on over to Apple Podcasts and I believe a couple other platforms. Hit the review. And if you aren't familiar how to write a review, I have an entire tutorial at OrdinarySherpa.com backslash review. I look forward to seeing your reviews, to seeing your subscriptions, and hearing more about what are the packing tips that you have had or what are things you've learned. Hopefully this episode brings you value and helps you get out and adventure. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us.